Huerta. 90th minute now. Touched wide. A lot of jerseys forward for Orlando. Ball whipped across and touched in over the line. A fellow service gets deflected in. Orlando on the precipice of stopping time. Pulls level 2-2. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show, where this week we get to talk about the Orlando Pride having their fifth game unbeaten. Yes, that is the only game that happened this weekend. Don't worry about that other thing that happened the day before. It, it It's there. We're not talking about it. Right, Kyle? Yeah, that is that is correct. Uh, what, a, what a time. What a time. Anyways, uh, welcome in again to the Orlando Soccer Show. My name is Austin David. That was Kyle Foley. We're going to talk about uh, the Orlando Pride game. Obviously, that was better than what happened to Orlando City. Uh, and then also Orlando City B, because, um, well, if the Pride had lost, it would have made an over for the weekend. If that gives you any indication of how OCB's game went, it was the same scoreline as Orlando City's. So men's team, bad. Women's team, better. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on Orlando City. But I do want to spend a lot of time on the Orlando Pride because I feel like they've they've earned it at this point. <laughs> and, and they're playing better. They're a lot more fun to watch uh, than they have been in the past. So without further ado, Kyle, what happened on Saturday night with Orlando City? Uh, pain and misery. Pain and misery is a very good way of describing... A game that finished 3-0 in favor of New England, and yet somehow, some way, Orlando City had a better expected goals. Yeah, that unfortunately checks out, though. That's, I suppose we should have expected that. It's one of those things for Orlando that every single summer, every single July, in normal circumstances from 2015 to 2019, um, they did not do well. And that tradition has uh, come back in a bad way. <clears throat> they they can't seem to um, get out of their own way sometimes. You know, Oscar Perry had changed things against the New York Red Bulls, and it was like, wow, look at this team. This is the team we've been expecting. And then I think that, that same show, we said, well, can they continue it? And then DC United game, first 45 minutes, it was like, wow, look at all these chances they're creating. Like, this is so different. And then they couldn't finish anything, which is like, okay, yeah, this is this is tracking a bit. And then you get to last weekend's game against the Revolution. And boy, uh, nothing. I mean, nothing went for Orlando. Out of the 18 shots that they had, three were on target. And to put it in perspective, the best chance that Orlando City had in the game, based on expected goals was Tesho Akindeli's chance in the 79th minute. Outside of that chance from Tesho, you had a Facundo Torres chance in the 60th minute, and then two Pato chances in the 31st and 33rd minute, respectively. They weren't great chances. Pato's actually, you know, forced a save out of <laughs> out of the goalkeeper, Georgi Petrovic, who really didn't have to do all that much. I think he made like three total saves and like one of them was actually one that he had to like go out of his way to make. 
so all things considered, it, it was just a, a poor match from Orlando. Um, they looked like they were dead in the water, no energy, devoid of ideas, and just kind of existing out there. What did you see from, from this team? Yeah, so the same thing we've kind of talked about really over the last couple games outside of the, the Open Cup game. It's just, it's rough. Like, what is going on out there? It, I'm not really sure what's happening. I'm not really sure. I mean, we've heard players mention it. We've heard Oscar mention it. It's one of those, like, it's not that they're being coached wrong. It's not that they're being told the wrong things to do. They're just not doing the things that they're being told to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you, how do you, <laughs> I didn't fix anything with that other than just, you know, do what you're supposed to do. And I think that's something that he's, that uh, Oscar was in saying is like, we just got to keep working. We got to keep working. And it's like, yes, you do have to keep working. But at the same time, if you're continuing to do what you're doing, it's not doing anything. Cause you know, if you, if you practice the wrong thing over and over again, and it's still wrong, it's, it's going to remain wrong. Nothing's going to change the fact that it is wrong. So it's like if you think yeah, two plus the- two is five and you keep practicing in like your math books, two plus two is five and your teacher keeps saying, oh no, that's wrong. But you keep putting two plus two is five. doesn't change the fact that it is in fact inherently wrong. Now, I'm not saying that's what Orlando City is doing. It's just that they can't keep practicing the same thing if it doesn't work. It's the definition of insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, and that's not going to happen. Like Kyle, are you saying Orlando so City is insane? I'm saying that they're driving me insane. Ah, yeah. Mm, that's that's, there. that's there you go. F- for sure. Yeah. I think they're driving a lot of fans insane lately. Um, I do want to bring up some comments from Oscar Pereja and uh, Alexandra Pato because – I asked both of them about, you know, the, the, the recent run of form. And, like, I asked Pato about the frustration building on the field because there was visible frustration. There was a moment where uh, Antonio Carlos was – he stole the ball. It was sitting, basically, like, rolling on the ground. Nobody was going for it. And then New England just picked it up, and he had a massive, like, screaming fit at his players because it's like, what are you doing? The ball is right there. Go get it. And instead – one player waited for the other to get it. The other player waited for the other to get it. And neither of them got it. So um, first off, I'm going to play Oscar's thoughts. Then I'll play Pato's thoughts. And then we can talk about it. Here we go. Here is Oscar Pereja from a question that I asked him about the recent run of form. Right. Well, uh, I think the numbers are not, not a secret for us. I thought we have uh, been disappointed at home, especially where we used to be very strong. Uh the question comes from what's next then and i don't know any other answer that just keep working and keep moving forward and keep uh trying to fix the things uh when you win you have to do the same and now we just dragging these numbers that doesn't let us feel comfortable now we can come out from the uh, qualification uh, we have many things in front of us, and we, we feel like uh, things are heavy. But uh, but 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 the group is firm. We're firm. We, you gotta keep going. And I feel bad for our uh, fans because they 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 come and bring the energy, and they didn't have that answer from us. And 
Uh, I don't want to give them excuses. I just want to tell them that we will keep working for this franchise and this club and the jersey. And that's what we are and what we see. Well, I say, uh, we know when you come to the, the new, wor new, new work or change the president, something can change. You, know? you need to keep the work because sometimes sometimes go down or go up. But if you stay in, in down like right now in the league, but we play well, I think something special is coming because we sh just need to keep. We need to work, work, work because we play well. The goals sometimes come, but sometimes no. Because I think the something special is coming because, you know, we can feel our players give you all things in the training and the field, but sometimes it doesn't happen what you want. But I think something special is coming. I'm, I'm true. I'm, I promise something is a big wave, a big things come to further the Orlando City and for the supports. So uh, big things coming for Orlando City, Kyle. What are, you, what are your thoughts on all that? Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not really optimistic on that. I just, I just, like, what? <laughs> Big things coming. Okay. Are you going to finally get the ball in the net? Because it's really it. It's really, it's really all we need. You know, it's, it's, it's funny how similar in some respects the pride and orlando city are where they're both struggling to score goals except despite not being able to score goals in the traditional way the pride have been able to still find goals like they've scored two goals almost every single game since june i think there's like two or three games in between those six that they haven't scored two goals because they Scored two goals against um, Louisville in the, uh, what's it called, the Daytona thing. They scored two goals the other night against Angel City. And then they scored uh, two goals against the Kansas City. So in their last two games, the Pride have scored two goals, despite not really showing any like finishing ability offensively. And then Orlando City, well, they just haven't found those goals. And um, I, it was interesting that both Oscar and and Pato both said, we just got to keep working. Yeah, I just, like, and again, it goes back to, like, we expect the pride to struggle with some of those issues. This is, there's the Orlando has the players, has the ability, and at this point can't even use the excuse of, oh, well, they're they're getting used to things. Like, they've, they've not been around for very long like you can't use any of those right now. None of those are are valid. Mm -hmm. But we're using them anyway. Yeah. Now, because we there's got to be some sort of excuse. Well, Oscar did say I don't want to give it, our fans any excuses. But like, at the same time, what is the reasoning for this this team's struggles as of late? You know, the, the nobody really can say one way or the other, or or they won't say one way or the other, which. You know that that's again. It's been something that's that's happened in the past with Orlando City. It's not something that's new. It's new to this coaching group. It's new to to fans over the last couple of years because since 2019 that wasn't really an issue, and then it became an issue again this year. 
You know, there, there were a lot of games. And I think that one one thing that Oscar did say in his, his post-game press conference is, like, these players need rest. And it, it makes me go back and think. It's like, okay, well, if they need rest, why have you been playing these guys so much? Because, like, you could have rested them against Arsenal. Could have rested them in any of the more, you know, kind of previous games and, and maybe throw out a Mikey Holiday or a uh, Nico Joachini and, and let him get more of a run out or anybody else that's on the bench and Andres Perea. I know he hasn't been all that great, but like a Rodrigo Schlegel, they could have thrown out a number of different players to try and rest others. And they, they really didn't. So like, I, I understand what Oscar's trying to get at, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's on him. Like he played these players 90 minutes, 70 minutes, back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. Right. No, it's it, it's very frustrating because there isn't, like, an easy... There's never an easy answer, no. Or easy... I know, but there's there's not even a, like... Like, even for us, normally, we can look at something and point and go, like, oh, well, this is, like, very clearly why, you know, such-and-such such is happening. Like, we get it. This is the issue... But like we we don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why we're having the issues. The, the the players are capable. The coach is supposed to be capable. I just I don't get it. I don't I don't know what else to say other than that. Unfortunately, there is nothing else to say other than that. Yeah, it's just it's just confusing. It's uh definitely it's definitely confusing. I think. One of the things that I, I talked to somebody within the club about this, I think that they're just they're just not necessarily out of ideas, but they're struggling to find new ideas and, and, and struggling to adapt within the context of a game because the way that they played against the Red Bulls in D.C. didn't work against New England. And yet, despite New England playing a very different defensive style comparatively to red bulls in dc they tried the same thing and it didn't work because again if you look back at the red bulls in dc united like they, they are playing a, a like kind of higher pressure system and, and pushing their their back line a little bit more forward the revs their whole identity defensively is to basically just lock things down any balls over top they're they're snuffing out so like that was working for Orlando City against the Red Bulls because they were playing such a high line that they allowed balls over top. And Orlando has speedy enough players that they can go run after those balls and then open up some offense that way. But New England isn't built that way. They have a very solid defensive setup to the point where uh, in their what last couple games, I don't think they've conceded all that many goals. I want to say... They've kept a clean sheet in their last three games, a whole 312 minutes of zero goals. So while they weren't scoring much in the late part of July, they weren't conceding either. And this team has had ups and downs. They've made a lot of moves to kind of shore things up. But, I mean, New England's got some very talented defenders. Andrew Farrell's been there forever 
and he's just a, a solid veteran presence. Henry Kessler, who was drafted in the uh, same draft as um, Daryl DK, he's he's become a very solid MLS center back. And then you've got Brandon By, who's arguably like a, a very good young up and coming right back. And then you have Dewan Jones, who's just very, very fast and gets into the attack and becomes very dangerous. So all things considered, like their their defensive line is good. And then Petrovic filling, you know, coming in after uh Matt Turner leaves and, and becoming a, a very good keeper. Like when he played against Orlando in New England, he was saving everything. So add that together with a, a offensive line that has Junior Urso or right wing and Pato struggling and Benji unable to finish. Kind of expected what you're going to get there. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's where Orlando City is right now. They play the Red Bulls this weekend again. You, you got to expect that the, the Red Bulls at their house having lost 5-1 in the U.S. Open Cup semifinals, are probably going to have a bone to pick with Orlando City for this one. Yeah, and I think they probably care more about this than they did about the last game. Which, like, why would you not care about the last game, though? Because trophy. Yeah, I just, and it like I've kind of mentioned on the show, the, the Open Cup is a thing. It's the... Um, Listen, don't disrespect it. I I don't mean to. I don't mean it is disrespect. I just. It's the Open Cup. It's not the same for teams that have aspirations of winning the league. Yes, I think if you're if if you don't have a chance to do that, then yes, you you are excited about the Open Cup. You are going to want to do well in the Open Cup. I mean, to to be fair, the Red Bulls like their last couple games since losing to Orlando City have been, well, technically. Uh, the only game that they've played is against Colorado. They did play against Barcelona and lost two nothing, but uh, that's Barcelona. That's a little different. the The last game they played was against the Colorado Rapids, which was just absolutely wild. Where it went back and forth almost the entire game. At one point, the Red Bulls were, I think, up three two, then conceded three straight goals from the 75th minute on got a penalty back in the 90 plus seventh and lost five, four. But like there was a moment where Colorado scored in the 77th and 80th minute to go from three, two down to four, three up. The Red Bulls are still playing like they did against Orlando city where somehow the defense just kind of stopped after a while. Again, if they do what they did against the Red Bulls the last time and play the same formation, maybe it works. Maybe. Or maybe the Red Bulls have actually taken time to like fix the problems that happened the last time out, and now Oscar and the coaching staff have to come up with a new idea. And that's going to be the big test. What's the new idea? Where does this team go? Because I think once they found something that worked, they tried it until it didn't. And now you're at that back. You're you're back at square one again. What do they need to do to change it? Well, and you hope you hope the new players that are coming in. You hope that they can have an impact on that. Mm-hmm. You hope that that 
helps. I I don't know how much it will. We'll have to see. But so you at least you at least hope that that's going to be something that will make things better. Yeah, make yeah have an impact. Because again, you had right. you had the the three players that joined Orlando City come in: Nico Joachini, uh and Ivan Angulo. Um, those two ended up coming in. The uh, the third player, uh, Wilder Cartagena. He did not make an appearance, but his ITC probably just processed within that moment. But all things considered, you know, Cartagena, he should probably start getting some minutes here in the next couple weeks. And Angulo got some spot minutes. Joaquini got 15. We'll, we'll see here as, as this, uh, <laughs> this next week comes about. But, yeah, there's really not much else to say about that New England game. It was just a write-off. Like, it was bad. They didn't play well, and they looked very frustrated being out on the field. Like something's got to change. Yeah. What is it? Just like I don't know. No, uh, yeah, that's that's the problem. <laughs> we all agree something has to change. What change? What needs to change? It's great analysis from us. You know, we have all the answers until we don't. <laughs> yep, that, that sounds about just- right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know what – I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, and it's really frustrating. And it's really frustrating to be sitting here on a podcast trying to give answers and not knowing, <laughs> not knowing anything. I mean, this is the same thing with the, the coaching staff. Like, they don't know what, what's going on because every time I ask them, like, what do you need to do to fix this? And it's like, I don't know. Like, we'll just keep working. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. Hey, 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 Kyle, we'll just and, keep working on it. You know what? You know what we're going to do? What what are we gonna do? We're gonna keep working. We're gonna move on. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Like I said, Orlando City play this uh, next weekend against the Red Bulls, and uh, hopefully they do better. But we're gonna spend more time on the Orlando Pride because um, their last game and their last five, in fact, have all been results. Talk about getting results. The Pride have gotten results. May not have been wins, but they're results, and that's you know. More than they did get uh, previously. So yeah, it is. It is. That is true. They are within the playoff race. They're six points back of sixth. So if they can, if they can get, you know, a couple wins, then they can be right there within that race. Now, we talked about this on the last couple shows nobody really expected the pride to be here um this was going to be a rebuilding year what whether what happened with amanda cromwell or not happened this was going to be a rebuilding year it was a young roster it was a lot of inexperienced players and a lot of you know uh, somewhat veteran players that are, are still young to the game so it was going to be a challenge to try and get this this team off the ground and to get them playing well but Hey, they've done it. They've they've gotten to a certain point now that they're getting results. They are the only team that has not lost in their last five games outside of Portland, which is commendable. Because heck, this Amanda Cromwell thing is still going on. Like that's that's still like hovering over their heads a little bit. It's not like it's gone away, but Seb Hines has done the job. You know, it's it. 
Wasn't the most conventional result last night. But like I said earlier, when we were talking about Orlando City, at least the Pride have found ways to score. Um, it's just frustrating to see them miss chances, just like Orlando City, miss chances that they should be putting in the back of the net. Because the Pride last night against Angel City had 16 shots and one on target. Yikes. Mm-hmm. So again... Despite the one on target, they still managed to find two goals. And what's crazy to think about is the, the second goal that the Pride scored was an own goal by Angel City. The Pride's last win came courtesy of an own goal. So in their last four games, two of the uh, five goals that have been scored have been own goals. Don't like that. It's not a great stat. But again, they're finding ways to put the ball in the back of the net via other well, players from other teams. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Sometimes you just gotta not, you get so listen, at least they're putting it in dangerous places. Like they're 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 asking questions. I, I hate this terminology. <laughs> I hate this so much, but they're asking questions of the defense. Yeah, I'm just asking questions. It's a, it's a terminology. It's a it's a terminology that I've I've heard from a lot of uh, color commentators and, and color com- like some color commentators that have done games with me. And I ask them all the time. It's like, what do you mean by asking questions? Like, what are the answers? And they're like, uh, I don't know. They're, but they're asking questions. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just I hate it. But it like it makes sense in that context where it's like when you're putting the ball in the box, the questions you're asking are, what do you do with the ball? You know, they're creating havoc because they're asking the defense to do something with the ball. Whether it's clear it, whether it's the goalkeeper comes out, you put it in a dangerous area. Something's going to happen positively or negatively. But if you don't put the ball in the area, well, then there are no questions. There are no answers. It's just you're not creating anything. And previous months of the Orlando Pride was that where there were no questions being asked. So at least the 16 shots is it's, it's much better than what the pride were doing, say back in June against the Portland Thorns, where they had a total of six shots or, you know, even going back to that Washington spirit game back in July, four shots total for the pride. So it's 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 a slow progression, and I talked to Maggie Doherty Howard after the game last night, and you know I asked her. She first question was she was asked by um, uh, who asked that question? I think it was Dan from the English Lion. He asked her like you know it looked like you were having fun out there, and um, well here I'm just gonna play the the audio. It has his question first, and then. Uh, I, I asked her a secondary question just about uh, the impact of Seb Hines. So uh, here's here's Maggie Dewey Howard talking about uh, the uh, midfield play lately. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I caught myself mid game today being like, "This is fun. We are playing soccer. We're moving the ball," and I think that's something that we haven't done in the past. So to be able to enjoy having possession um, and having the ball and you know playing together is so nice and refreshing and a change I think that you haven't seen from 
the pride in the past. So like I said, I think the more we continue to do it, it's going to get better. And, you know, having the ball is a great form of defense. The longer we have the ball, the more we cherish it, the more we take care of it, the less defending we have to do. And I think that carries over to the previous question too of um, what has changed defensively. I think we're keeping the ball more and we're keeping the ball better and not giving it up in dangerous areas. So that converts to, you know, less defending we have to do. Um, so I think it goes hand in hand with the defensive aspect as well. Maggie, just kind of going off of that, you know, you're saying you're having more fun playing in that midfield role. How much has Seb kind of impacted this team to to make it more fun to play and, and you know, give that kind of competitive edge? It seems like this team over, you know, the last month and a half, two months has, has kind of changed in that mentality. How much has he had an impact in that? Like tremendously, um, right from when Seb took over, he started instilling that, that we want to keep the ball. We want to be a possession team. And from day one, we just started training more like we wanted to keep it. We were doing rondos, getting everyone comfortable on the ball in different situations. If you're an outside back, you get put in positions where you have 360 pressure like a midfielder. So if you're comfortable doing that as an outside back, you'll be comfortable getting on the ball in tight positions. So just practicing in that and him preaching that and also just instilling confidence with us. He's okay if we make mistakes, if we're you know trying to play the way we want to play. He'd rather us mess up trying to keep it and then play a long ball into space um, for no one to be there. So he's been huge in kind of this mentality shift um, and getting everyone on board to kind of buy into this new system. So that was Maggie Doherty Howard talking about the, the kind of shift in, in what Seb has brought to this team in terms of just basically giving them the confidence. And Seb did have a, a response to that because he was asked a little bit after about what Maggie's comments were. And so here's what Seb Hines had to say about what he believes is uh, the reason that the players are having much more fun and, and enjoying themselves under him. Trust, I guess. I mean, I trust them to, to get in the right spaces, get in the right um, areas of the field where they can be threatening. I spoke at half time about we are going to make mistakes, but make the right mistakes. Um, you know, make a mistake where you're thinking about threatening, um, playing a penetrating pass through a line. Um, and that's the encouragement that I'm giving the players is that, you know, whatever happens, we have to be adaptable. Um, but it's the risk reward element of the game that, you know, we, I think the first 20, 25 minutes of the game, we, we looked, we looked reluctant to play passes and we were hiding away from good areas and we were in the shadow of defenders and that's that's not what we're about. So we we put that to bed and said, like, listen, we got to do the little bits of getting out the shadow, getting in good areas, details of passing, details of the, the touch. And when you do that, you are so threatening and, and we just keep relaying that message to the players every single time. Like, you can see that... You know, Abella's getting in really good areas. Um, Maggie, Erica, them areas are uncomfortable for defenders to pick up. And when we move the ball quickly, it's it's hard to play against. Um, so that's that's why we've said it. That's why we keep going on about. We say it in training every day. Um, details are, are, are massive in in terms of this game. So, Kyle, what are your what are your thoughts on on from what just? Meggie and, and Seb said because it, it, 
the way it sounds like it's just you know it's it's a mutual kind of respect within the the coach and the players and i think that that's something that seb has cultivated over the last couple of years just being as as an assistant with this team yeah it really shines a light on how how much the players like him and what the rapport that he's built and the reputation that he has with them very good <laughs> it's a it's a very good thing um but also kind of interesting because I, even though I know they're not necessarily saying that it's because of, or that it's it's better, worse, whatever, than uh, than before, it's also kind of like oh, but maybe maybe a little bit, yeah, maybe a little bit worse than before. <laughs> I mean, listen, the roster is is still. Not at the, at the level that some other rosters are. Like, Allie Riley scored last night for Angel City. She was one of those players that was supposed to be a big core of this team going forward in the defense. Like, heading into this season, there were so many changes within the team that it really made you think about the competitiveness for this, this season. Because not only did they get rid of Sydney LaRue later on in the in the season, but they also got rid of Jody Taylor, Ashlyn Harris, Allie Krieger, Emily Van Egmond, Alex Morgan, Phoebe McLernan, Taylor Korniak, Allie Riley, Jade Moore, Marissa Vigiano. And then during the season they got rid of Amy Turner, Sydney LaRue, and Has James. And those are all starters. Like you could literally build a starting eleven of the players that they had last year. Like Ash was starting every game. Allie was starting every game. Uh, Van Egmond wasn't... She only came in for like three games towards the end of the season, but she was a big part of that 2017 squad. Alex Morgan, I mean, speaks for itself. Phoebe McLernan was a starting center back. Taylor Korniak starting in midfield. Allie Riley starting whatever side that Allie Krieger wasn't starting on. Uh, Jade Moore was hurt most of the season, so she didn't really play. Marissa Vigiano starting midfielder. Amy Turner starting center back. Sydney LaRue starting forward. As James, uh, well, she only came in that you know this year, anyways, so can't really say too much about that. But that's a lot to get rid of, and for them to like, they didn't really retool. They they didn't bring in the same caliber of players. They got younger players, and they they kind of <laughs> did as much as they could, and. For where they are right now, it's surprising. And I think we've talked about that a multitude of times. Because, like, even looking at the draft that they had, Mia Fischel did not sign. She went to Mexico and is thriving with, with Tigres down there. Caitlin Cosme hurt for most of the season so far. She's been on the bench, hasn't played a game professionally. Jada Talley didn't sign. She was training with the team and is now kind of just doing her own thing elsewhere in the world and julie doyle she's the only one out of the four draft picks that they had that it's actually played and scored and now she is tied for the team lead in goals not bad no and then you add the additions of michaela clough and carrie abello who have both been very very good for how young they've been clough has been very adaptable playing as a an eight and a ten uh she's been playing more as a as an eight because her understanding of how quick the game has to be hasn't quite clicked just yet 
she's used to having a lot more time on the ball and being able to kind of create. And she's slowly realizing that you can't have that in this league. Um, but she has, she, like in the Angel City game, she came on and changed uh, a lot of the kind of pace of the game. Uh, Carrie Bello had the cross that turned into the goal for the second goal last night. And she's been, she was playing as a, a left back for most of her college career, and now she's playing as a winger. And she's in the attack and she's impacting the game. She started, played a full 90 against Angel City. The way Ian Fleming has kind of taken his, his reins on this roster and has tried to shape it into a, a competitive young roster that has a lot of room to grow seems to be heading in that trajectory. It's still way too early to say if it was successful one way or the other. The results have been eh. They haven't been good. They haven't been terrible. Well, they, there have been some terrible results, but there was a lot going on behind that. So kind of hard to get a full perspective on it. But in the grand scheme of things, like it's still set up for their plan in the future. Whether that plan has Amanda Crumble in it is a different story. But the roster... That plan is still going on ahead. So we'll we'll see over the next two, three years how it ends up playing out. But for now, they're still competitive. They're not dead last. And they're five games unbeaten. It's, it's very surprising. And I think you mentioning kind of building a younger roster and trying to get the right pieces. And, and that yeah, like it, it is nowhere near where it's expected to be. By the front office, I want to. I'm trying to word that in a way that's like, our expectations aren't outrageously high, and I don't think fan expectations right now are are extremely high. But I mean, like, in terms of what the front office is hoping that it gets to. Obviously, this is the very beginning of a rebuild phase, and that we've had. There's been enough setbacks this year that we've seen, that make it even more complicated. (laughs) So it's kind of iffy on how that all's gonna end up. Uh, when all is said and done. However, I think it's, you know, we talk about low expectations and yet the team has actually done some pretty good things and has looked pretty good over the last, what'd you say? Is it five games unbeaten? Is that what it is now? Correct. So, hey, I mean, like, as shocked as I am that Orlando City have been the way that they are, I'm also shocked by how the Pride have been. But the Pride are surprising me in a very, very good way. <laughs> they they are surprising <laughs> me. They are surprising me in a way that is not depressing and disappointing. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Now, uh, I will leave you. Uh, I, I have one more thing from Seb that I wanted to play because I asked him about being a rookie head coach you know this is his first foray into being a head coach he's been on the bench he's you know been able to make suggestions but not necessarily making decisions so i asked him about that and you know just what that process has been like talking with the coaching staff and and how everything falls on his shoulders now so here's what seb told me about kind of learning on the go i'm i'm young i'm a young head coach but i've had experience in this game so You know, it's all about timing, um, finding the right time to make a substitution, reading the game, reading the uh, momentum of the game. You know, um, like you said, I am learning on the job, but I have played the game and see like 
when and where um, to make a substitution or a tactical um, switch. And then, you know, today we did it, it paid off. <laughs> we look, we look at it, reflect and, you know, we, we say, you know, it was a good move. <laughs> and, and other times I'm going to go, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a part of learning and um, getting more experience in this role. Um, you see experienced coaches make the same mistakes. So it's just, it's just part of the, part of the role that I'm in. I appreciate his saying like, you know, there, there's some moves like tonight. I was like, yeah, I'm a genius. Other nights, maybe not. <laughs> but, I, but I think uh, we we kind of have been talking about this a little bit on like kind of like this isn't a job he really ever expected to be in. Yeah. It's not a not a position he ever – I don't want to say he never – it wasn't like a, a thought or a dream or a future. It's It's early in his career to be in charge of a franchise right now. Because right, like right. he he's he's only a couple years removed. He's thirty four years old. Like that that's the perspective. He's still he in theory he still could be playing. To go from playing because he only retired officially in twenty seventeen. Five years later, he's the head coach of a professional women's soccer club. And that's not necessarily what's surprising, or surprising maybe not the word but like that's not an unheard of timeline but the the thing that's more kind of a bigger deal is just that it wasn't a like I said it wasn't a role he was expecting to be in he's he's been thrown to the wolves in a job that it's not it's not a thing that you know there was preparation and this was expected and planned and everyone was all good and on board and there wasn't chaos going on <laughs> and so I, it's a really not only is it not he wasn't expecting to come in and be the the head coach, but also would have probably expected his first opportunity to be a much more coherent environment. And he's he's done incredible, and the players love him. And I think that's that's the there's two things obviously. Obviously, you want to see results, and you want to see things looking good on the field, and we and we've seen that. And then you hear from the players that there are things that he is getting out of them and inspiring in them that otherwise weren't happening. And so we're seeing, you know, the players love him. And it's always, I think, important, at least at some level, for the players to to love and, and respect and, and want to play for the coach. Same time, the coach also has to be good at what they're doing. And I've, I believe I talked about this in the show either uh, last week or the week before. And it's just so when you see those two things combining and you see consistent results, like, give the dude the job. <laughs> I, I again, I think I've seen a lot of people tweeting about this. Is like he he should get some consideration for it. Have you seen anybody tweeting about uh, mm-hmm. any other things when it comes to the coaching staff of the Pride? I mean, I've been getting a lot of tweets saying, "Where's Amanda <laughs> Cromwell?" That that hasn't stopped. It's like we need her back. Been seeing a lot of that lately, and uh, been getting DMs like, "What's going on? Why isn't there anything?" It's like, I, you, you know the. It's literally up to the league. The team has nothing to do with it. It's a league-run investigation. And there's only so much that the league is going to tell you. Regardless of how much I know or don't know, it's like there's nothing that that's going to speed this up until the league decides to do something about it. So if you're going to be angry yeah. at anybody, be angry at the league. 
And as much as we love reckless speculation on this show, Austin is not a reckless speculator. So if you're in his mentions constantly bugging him about what's going on with the Pride, knock it off. He'll, he'll tell you when I'm he not, knows. I'm not, I'll tell you. I, exactly. I'll tell you when I know something and not before. I'm not going to tweet out that this, that, or the other happened. And then like two days later, I find out that it was completely inaccurate because I rushed the, you know, I jumped to the gun. That's just not how I do it. I wait to try and corroborate things. You know, I've heard a lot and it's been a lot of different stuff. Whether that is true or not, I still haven't been able to discern one way or the other because the league has been very private about things. And listen, I talked to the, the NWSL commissioner and Jessica Berman, she's still fairly new. And when I asked her about the pride investigation, she said, uh, we have no updates. And I asked timeline and she said, we don't have one. So that's pretty much what you're going to get. You probably, I mean, at this rate, you probably won't hear anything until the end of the season. That is my genuine guesstimation of when this will be resolved. That is an Austin David guarantee that this is going to happen. <laughs> You'll find out by the end of the season. I didn't use the word guarantee. I used guesstimation. I heard guarantee. Well, and Kyle, you're going to doctor the tapes now to tell people otherwise, but I heard you. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> you need sleep. <laughs> what are you talking about? I had plenty of sleep. We're good. How many hours did you sleep? More than zero. Okay. Is it? I don't. I don't know. Is it less than five? I, no. Last night I got a pretty good amount of sleep. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. All right. Like I'm not an animal. <laughs> I know oh, you're not, Kyle. Debatable. <laughs> debatable. I know. All right. Back to the Orlando Pride. Um, they will play uh on the road this coming weekend facing another old foe. Well, they were supposed to play against Sid, but um, she was out with an illness for Angel City. This time, the Pride are going to be playing Alex Morgan and the San Diego Wave. So that'll be an interesting game because, well, San Diego currently second as an expansion franchise. So not only does San Diego have Alex Morgan, but they also have Taylor Korniak who, again, former Pride player. They also have Jody Taylor, former Pride player. And Emily Van former Pride player. So it should be a, a very intriguing game, to say the least. But that game kicks off right about the same time as the Orlando City game. So double duty. City, I think, kick off at like 5 and the... Pride. Actually, the, do the Pride kick off at 10.30 against San Diego this weekend? Maybe. Oh, that's a good question. I'm looking right now, but I you might be right. I think If it's 10.30, then it's it's not the same time because that's actually like... It is, it, it, it is at 10.30. Okay, good. I don't know why I thought it was like so, at 6. Get a, get a nice little away game doubleheader there. Yeah. Well, that would have been horrible because it's like what five and six o'clock kickoffs covering the same two games at the same time i mean that wouldn't that wouldn't have been ideal but it might have been better than waiting uh, until 10 30 at night game and then yeah. a ten, yeah and then a then a game that will be over till after midnight and because of the way these games have gone you can't just you can't not pay attention yep or you can't like pre-write anything as you have learned <laughs> yeah Yep, 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 yep. 
fun times. Anyway, yeah, so that's going to be uh, the weekend for the Orlando City and Pride teams. Otherwise, uh, hey, remember Orlando City B? They exist. Uh, they played around the same time that the Pride were playing. Uh, they lost 3 nothing. It was a uh, 0-0 draw through the first 45 minutes. Mason Stadahar got his first game back from jaw surgery since June. So he, you know, got back out there and was able to play some minutes. But Toronto FC 2 scored three goals in the last half hour. Where does that sound familiar, Kyle? Where does it sound familiar from mm. Austin? Hey, you know, at least that uh, they're consistent within the first team and the second team. <laughs> this is this is true. There is there is consistency. One notable thing from this OCB match, Dominic Bell, who is a very tall, very young kid, uh, made his professional debut, came in at the center back position in the 81st minute. <clears throat> and then proceeded to have a goal scored on him in the 84th. I was interested to see uh, some of the, the lineup changes that they ended up going with. You know, Besides Thomas Williams starting, they had Nasir Acosta, Victor Yan, Jack Lynn, and Fabian Loyola starting. Uh, Nick Taylor came off the bench. Uh, Tahir Reed-Brown came off the bench. Brandon Hackenberg has been hurt, so he hasn't been playing lately. You know, there there at least wasn't a red card this game because the last OCB game, there were two. Yeah, but on average in the last two games, there was a red card a game. You're not wrong. On average. You're not wrong. I am, I am, I believe what the scientists would call technically Techn- correct. correct. Yep, best kind of which correct. Which we are well aware mm-hmm. It's the best kind. So with the loss, OCB drops to 4, 10, and 3. They have 17 points now on the season. That is not going to get them in the playoffs this year, most likely. As of right now, they are second to last in the Eastern Conference standings behind Chicago, New England, Philly, Miami, TFC, Rochester, NYCFC, and Columbus, who are right at the tippy top. Uh, The only team below them is FC Cincinnati 2, who has taken the reins from 2021 FC Cincinnati as being the bad team of the group. I think that now that their two team exists, there has to be at least one bad team in Cincinnati because FC Cincinnati's MLS team is actually decent this year. So they are, and it's, it's weird. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say it's bad, but it's definitely weird. Mm hmm. It is it is weird seeing them in in a playoff position right now, ahead of Orlando City, I may add. <laughs> also weird. Yeah, and Chicago Stop. now Stop. ahead of Orlando City. Ugh. They were at one oh. point the worst team in the league, and now are in a playoff position. Just goes to show you how close everything from like second to last to like fifth is. Like, there's less than three wins between Columbus, who's in fifth, and Toronto, who's in second to last. All it takes is one team to have a a good run of form, 
and everything gets out of whack. Anyways, with that, let us go ahead and wrap up the show with our usual stuff. Oh, yeah. Now, I would do a Where Are They Now, and I was going to do a Pride player, but literally, I think last week we talked about six different former Pride players being on Angel City. So I figured like that covers it all. I don't know if we really need to go into another where are they now, but I will say Allie Riley, uh, when when I was talking to her last night, she she did say it was very satisfying scoring against her former team, um, but she still loves Orlando. She also had a moment at the very end of her press conference where she uh, she was sweating a lot. Everybody was because it was miserable and muggy and, and raining outside. So when she gets up off her seat, she looks down and sees a giant wet butt print and then her coach freya coom is is, she's coming in and she's like oh my god is freya gonna have to sit in that so she like freaks out and then tries to like grab a towel and goes back over and you can hear you know in the background she's like oh my gosh it's like a giant butt and she's just like freaking out in the background and i was just kind of like laughing that's amazing yeah appreciate ali riley she's always a, a very fun interview no matter what the, the score of the game was she's always bringing a very happy, positive energy to a press conference. So uh, that was fun. So anyways, it is now time for our weird news, red cards, and then the end of the show. So Kyle, if you would be so kind, please share us a weird news story. Oh, I have what is quite possibly my favorite in a very long time. Mm-hmm. I'm only going... Oh, I can't just read the headline because there's the the first... Okay. Frank Ocean is selling gold and diamond cock rings. Frank Ocean's luxury brand Homer has released a new collection of accessories featuring pendants, earrings, a keychain, and the XXXL H-Bone ring, a diamond-encrusted 18-karat gold cock ring. It's 25500 $70. I'm sorry, how much? $25,570. Ah, uh, nope. Is that just outside your budget? Definitely not something I would spend that much money on. <laughs> yeah, I probably, would imagine. I probably wouldn't spend any money on one of those things, to be fair. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't. But, you know, some people... Not going to judge. We don't judge here. Except for that, and I would probably judge that. <laughs> I'm definitely judging that, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, be, you can hear it in your voice. Be honest. You are judging that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's be honest. There's some judgment. All right. What do you, uh, got, what do you got that's going to beat that? Well, it, it's it's something from a couple years ago. Uh, I did want to share it just because it was I, I found it hilarious. A, a company in, in northern Kentucky that created a Noah's Ark simulation sued for rain damage that the ark received now again this is this is a noah's ark reconstruction you know a a a giant boat built for water and their owners are suing for water damage it's amazing one million dollars in damage is what they said from heavy rains in 2017 and 18 I know we've definitely talked about this before. It just must not have been on the show. But I know we've definitely talked about yes. that. And I found it funny then, and I find it funny now. Yes. It is, again, very ironic. Because it's just like, if you're if you're a, a person in the law offices, and you see this come across your desk, and it's like, Noah's Ark suing for rain. 
you, you got to think like first off you think this is a joke right because it's like it's this is a thing built to withstand water supposedly also why would you build a giant noah's ark if not to handle water pretty funny it's pretty great it's just uh I'm not sure what they were thinking there i'm gonna go if they weren't it's probably the the correct they were probably not thinking yeah that's uh distinctly possible distinctly possible all right any red cards for uh for you this week or playing advantages any, any red cards for me or playing advantages hmm you know i don't think so yeah i'm not I'm pretty i'm pretty i'm pretty pretty good okay for now fair enough i'm gonna give a uh, playing advantage to the movie nope which I saw this past week. It was uh, pretty good. Really enjoyed it. Was it? Yeah. I've heard I've heard very good things. I'm just a giant weenie and I don't enjoy things that are scary. It was not that scary to be fair. Okay. Well, that's that's I may check it out. The other one that I'm on the fence about is Prey, the new Predator movie and I'm just like, "Oh, but that seems like it's probably pretty jump scary." And so I'm like, I I'm waiting. I have a friend who's watching it today who's going to let me know whether I will wimp out or not. <laughs> That's fair. Which I really appreciate. I um yeah, I, I believe that uh it's a pretty good movie because I've heard very good things about it and they said it's in the vein of the the original Predator movie. So There you go. All right. Fantastic. All right, Kyle. Thanks for joining. With that, we'll call it a day. Once again, my name's Austin David. Hey, if you haven't already, I believe today is the last day to vote for us for the Orlando Weekly Best Of podcast. So head over to vote.orlandoweekly.com and cast your vote there. And uh, we'll see how we did when we uh, see the results on August 31st. With that... Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you later. And you're dirty brown water trash. And you're always going to be dirty brown water trash. <laughs>